Welcome back to Money and Meaning, stories of unlocking the potential of global markets for impact. I'm your host, Alex Kravitz. On this episode, I spoke with Philip Gaskin, the Vice President of Entrepreneurship at the Kaufman Foundation, and Agnes Dasevich, an entrepreneur in residence and the lead of the foundation's newly formed Capital Access Lab. Entrepreneurship plays a key role in both wealth creation and economic development, yet 83% of entrepreneurs don't have access to venture capital or bank loans. The lab was created to help those entrepreneurs that have been excluded, whether due to race, gender, geography, or any other demographic, to access the capital that they need to start and grow their businesses. In this episode, we talk about the formation and goals for the Capital Access Lab, what they are seeing in terms of innovative funds and investment structures, and why this work is deeply personal for both Philip and Agnes. Let's jump into the conversation. Agnes, Philip, welcome to Money and Meaning. Thank you. Great to be here. Thank you. It's great to be here. You both work for the Kaufman Foundation. Uh, Can you give me a little bit of background on on the foundation and the work that you both do there? Sure, I'll I'll start. Thank you. Uh, Again, thank you for having us both. Um, Kaufman Foundation, our mission is working with communities and education and entrepreneurship to increase opportunities that allow all people to learn, to take risks, and to own their own success. And why we do this? Well, we just believe that people, regardless of the background, should have the opportunity to learn, take risks, own that success. Mr. Coffin himself, you know, in, in his spirit, you know, we seek and share those approaches that he had of breaking down barriers to provide people with the necessary skills throughout life to take a job, right, and um, give back to their community. And the how we do that, right, we listen to communities, listen to the communities we serve first to tap into learnings and relationships, both on our education work and in our entrepreneurship work and bring everyone together to build and you know support programs that improve education and boost entrepreneurship and help Kansas City thrive. We're Kansas City based and uh, we have a Kansas City civic area that focuses on the well-being of Kansas City. I'm vice president of entrepreneurship in uh, Kaufman Foundation so I oversee the entire entrepreneurship portfolio, including grant making and operating programs, convening, research, and policy. And Agnes, what's what's your role at the foundation? So first of all, once again, thank you for having us. Um, I joined Kaufman recently as entrepreneur in residence, and I'm leading the development of the Capital Access Lab. And what what is the Capital Access Lab? So the Capital Access Lab is a national platform that has as its goal the breakdown of barriers to increase access to capital to the 83% of entrepreneurs who do not have access to VC or bank investment. So what we're really trying to do is we're trying to spur the formation of new financing vehicles that will do two things, will help invest in underserved entrepreneurs. And we'll do that by delivering alternative products, alternative financial products that are actually much more appropriate to financing this 83% than traditional bank or VC financing. So we're not a typical fund, but we do provide early capital to innovative emerging funds 
that are making investments in underserved entrepreneurs using these alternative tools. We're trying to provide investment. We're also trying to get more investors interested in this asset class and showing that this kind of alternative investing is really the way to support underserved entrepreneurs and the majority of entrepreneurs in the US. And we're really trying to get others familiar with the use of this alternative capital structure. So we're working through these new vehicles to really try to increase the amount of funding available to entrepreneurs in the U.S. Can you give an example of an alternative capital structure? What do you mean by that? Yeah, so for example, revenue-based financing. That is the type of investment where the fund is providing a loan to an entrepreneur, but the loan is not repaid through structured payments of interest and capital back. It's actually repaid through a percentage of the revenue. So if the business is not doing well, like in a time of a crisis, the business is paying back less. And when it's doing well, it's paying back more up to a certain capped return for the investor. So it's actually a very patient kind of capital that's very much uh, targeted to help the growth of the enterprise and not to take away from it. Why is it more appropriate for the, these types of businesses than, than equity? Or Yeah, because for example, I mean, even looking at the crisis today, the COVID-19 crisis, when you're looking at businesses who have less revenue and less cash flow, they still have to meet the obligations to a traditional bank that is charging them some interest rate, right? So mm -hmm. they have to make monthly payments that are preset. In this case, the business would be making monthly payments that are a portion of its revenues. So as the revenues go down, they would be making smaller payments. Therefore, that would be having less of a negative effect on the business. But actually, as the business recovers and does well, they would be paying back more. So in effect, it's really very well structured to help the business grow and not take money away from it when it's struggling. Got it. Got it. And you, you mentioned it briefly at the beginning, but what is the challenge that the foundation was trying to solve when it created the, the Capital Access Lab? Agnes, I'll give a little bit here and you can chime in as well, that we know that entrepreneurs who assist, we say historically left behind due to race, ethnicity, gender, geography, just have more challenges accessing capital to start or grow a business. And, and as we look over time, and the data shows that most of the venture capital funds normally goes to five cities, four states. And those are those clusters of uh, San Francisco Bay Area, Silicon Valley, South Bay, New England, New York City Metro, and Los Angeles and Orange County. That leaves out too many folks not getting access to the right type of resources, financial support. And in 2017, only 2% of venture capital went to women and only 1% went to people of color. So these, as we look at the landscape and we convened a number of people were able to just learn and understand all of these underlying issues that were then published in our capital access report and just shows the stark issue that's out there. So, you know, entrepreneurs create most of the net new jobs in the United States, but at least 83% of entrepreneurs don't have access to institutional forms of capital, meaning a bank loan or venture capital. And so we're working, mm -hmm. to, working to change that 
And that's why this was created. That's why we're testing this model um, because we believe there's some validity here. Agnes, feel free to share. Yeah, I mean, I you know just to reemphasize what uh, what Philip is saying, we found that venture capital is only used by 0.5% of entrepreneurs. So that wow. is a tiny fraction of new businesses that, that are formed in the U.S. And, you know, in general, outside equity counted for like less than 2% of Black-owned businesses and less than 17% of white-owned businesses. So this means that entrepreneurs are really bootstrapping to start and grow their businesses and that is really compounded by the fact that the way that venture capital is structured, the way their investment is structured, it really pushes companies to the next round of funding or the next exit towards the next valuation, which a lot of entrepreneurs are not interested in, right? A lot of entrepreneurs want to grow their business and create jobs. So venture capital is not helping them. Banks on the other hand, they're moving to larger loans to customers with good credit scores and collateral. That is the way the bank industry is structured and that's the way it works. Women are paying higher interest rates and often are required to provide more front-end collateral versus men. They're also more likely to use credit cards to fund their businesses. So the current structures are not working and what makes things even more difficult is that the larger institutional capital, so the pension funds, uh, foundation endowments, are too far removed in size and scale from a typical entrepreneur investment that tends to be really small. So the venture capital industry is not really serving the vast majority of entrepreneurs. Banks are not lending to the vast majority of entrepreneurs. And that is really felt, especially by the minority and women entrepreneurs throughout the US. So we really are trying to fill in that gap. So what specifically does the Capital Access Lab do to try to support these underrepresented entrepreneurs, whether geographically, because they're outside of those five main cities or due to race or, or gender? Yeah. So. We're doing a couple of things. We're providing direct investment. So we are providing the first LP capital into these funds that are pursuing alternative investment strategies. Once again, these are the types of capital that are much more suited to help the entrepreneur grow. So they're not typical debtor equity. So we're putting in the first anchor LP investment into these funds. We provide them with capacity building. So that is support for fund managers in uh, legal, in setting up the back office, in using the right kinds of term sheet, in uh, due diligence, so that they can really grow and become very transparent and effective fund managers. We're also trying to connect them to other sources of capital. And here I'm not just talking about foundations and programmatic type of capital. We really want to bring in more traditional fund of funds investors because this is an asset class that's definitely investable and it's very much needed. So we want to support other investors in deploying this kind of capital 
and really learning that this is the kind of capital that can provide a return, but is also growing and helping entrepreneurs all over the U.S. And finally, we are very much interested in knowledge building. So we want to build a community of practice that will help these funds share information, share the ways of deploying this capital, the challenges that they face, and really connect them with investors that support them. So we really are trying to build a coalition of people who think that this is a really effective way of supporting underserved entrepreneurs in the U.S. You you mentioned that you're investing in funds. Are there a lot of funds that fit your qualifications for both diversity and, and for the alternative capital structure? There are. We were actually pleasantly surprised at the, at the diversity there and the you know, request for proposals that we they did resulted in a pipeline of over 100 funds. Um, wow. It's breaking down 55% led by women, 41% led by people of color, over 32 states in the U.S. And the funds that are testing a range of approaches to investing in underserved entrepreneurs that are you know, outside of traditional venture capital and small business lenders. So, so there are. And what we're doing is, and through the Capital Access Lab, is initial five, looking at initial five funds and moving through, moving through with them. And hopefully it's going to test out to be something very, 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 very viable. I think what I'm really pleased at is the amount and the depth of the work and the knowledge that these funds have about the people and the entrepreneurs that they're trying to serve from, from all geographies. It's just very gratifying. And so we're, we're trying to do um, what we can to uh, move the mission along. Mm-hmm. How did you two get into this work? Well, I, you know, I'll tell a story here. I, Please. when I think back to when I was a kid and my father and I, we used to go, he used to take me all sorts of places. And one of the places that we went to, and we went to a lot, was the bank. And I remember all of the different banks. I remember one day I asked him, I said, Dad, why do we go to so many banks? And he said, you know, son, I'll tell you when you when you get older. And what I found out was that my, you know, my dad was an aspiring entrepreneur. And it took him over four years to get a bank loan for the business that he wanted to start. And why was that? It was because of the zip code we were from. It was because of his skin color as an African-American man. Uh, he wasn't seen as being, his idea was not seen as viable enough, as believable enough. And no matter what he presented, you know, and, and yeah, maybe the credit score was a few points too low for what, what was acceptable. And, you know, looking at some product of barriers and seeing barriers at a very, very early age. And those type of things have just have spurred me along in doing work to remove barriers that get in the way of any entrepreneur that's trying to, you know, turn an idea into, you know, economic reality for them, regardless of geography, it could be rural, it could be urban edge, it could be urban, whatever, regardless of gender. So that has spurred me from, from an early age in doing work in service to help people thrive. That's great. Thank you. And, you know, similarly, I'll go back to my childhood. I grew up in uh, communist Poland where my grandfather was an entrepreneur. 
very successful one in um you can imagine in the face of a lot of challenges. So, mm-hmm. and I grew up in this house, so I definitely was exposed to that entrepreneurship spirit throughout my childhood. But then I ended up working uh, for USAID, the US Development Agency, where I did uh, and implemented a lot of creative programs that spurred investment and support for entrepreneurs all over the world especially in very difficult countries and the very difficult regions. So I, a few years back, thought to, you know, just start thinking about, look, why are we trying to help entrepreneurs in the U.S. in similar ways? So what I feel like I'm doing now is I'm really applying what I've learned in entrepreneurship support to the U.S., where I think it's needed tremendously. Sounds like this work is is deeply personal to to you both, and I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the current pandemic. It's affected everyone's life in in some way, but I, I think one of the biggest effects has been on small businesses, and particularly the ones that that you're talking about, the ones that don't have venture funding, the ones that don't have a commercial lender that they can turn to to help push them through the payroll protection plan. So, you know, the very businesses that, that you're focused on, right. um, what role do you see the Capital Access Lab or, or the Kauffman Foundation at large playing in this crisis? Well, when we look at the small business and entrepreneurship, we, the data shows as the backbone of the country mm-hmm. and of the economy, uh, part of the backbone, almost 50% of the, of the nation's economy. So many of those businesses don't necessarily have the cash in the bank of the reserves that can get them through a, a crisis like this. And so while there are the, you know, the government programs that are trying to help, they're obviously not going to reach as far as they, they can. And unfortunately, they're not going to reach some of those that really, really need it the most. We suspect that the underrepresented populations that we, we look to serve through our work are going to be the hardest hit. And you know, it is the attention on those. It's the understanding of what is the support and the resource and the advocacy that they're going to, to need. Our America's new business plan, we have just uh, updated that recently with a COVID-related update, a call for what lawmakers, policymakers can do in their cities at the state, local, and federal level to advocate for uh, entrepreneurs and small business during COVID, especially for those um, that are you know, traditionally left behind. Yeah, just just to add, I mean, a lot of the emergency measures are really based on trying to channel capital to the entrepreneurs through traditional means, banks. And as a result, a lot of the entrepreneurs that we've been talking about today are just not getting that kind of assistance. They don't have relationships with banks. So by supporting these capital providers who are really bringing in capital that, as I mentioned earlier on in our discussion, is much more appropriate to help them weather through a crisis. Uh, We feel that we really are building a community and an approach that will not only help them get through these crises, but we'll also continue to help them grow and will become uh, an approach that is widely accepted by investors and to catalyze their capital to these entrepreneurs. So 
I think it's important uh, to continue this kind of work of working with these alternative product providers. Mm -hmm. And one, thank you, Agnes. And one thing I would say is to, I did mention our America's new business plan, invite everyone to go to startusupnow.org, startusupnow.org, where you can find everything regarding the America's new business plan. And here, theme of what we're saying, rebuilding better, how to activate the movement and the response to COVID-19. In addition to the, the direct funding that, that you talked about, um, the Capital Access Lab also puts a lot of emphasis on market infrastructure. Can you explain what, what exactly that means and why that has been a focal point of, of this program? Right. So we, you know, what we have really focused on is building the ecosystem. And the reason we're doing mm -hmm. that is because, as we've been discussing, we feel that the system uh, of delivering capital to entrepreneurs right now is broken. The structure was originally designed to exclude people. And we really need to overcome that to change to change that system. So we want to be proactive versus reactive. And we want to actually bring in new investors who are not just investing capital, but are working with us to figure out how to scale up these approaches. We want to bring together other foundations, um, family offices, technical assistance and knowledge providers to really build a community of practice that is seeking innovative ways to reduce these barriers and to change the system. We want to collaborate. We're very open to sharing anything that we learn. Uh, we just feel it's a much more effective way of investing into entrepreneurs that are underserved and have been left out. So we're looking to really build an ecosystem that works for those entrepreneurs. And for that, we really need many collaborators, whether they be investors or people who are providing capacity building to these entrepreneurs or foundations that are really looking to solve systemic problems of how capital is delivered in the U.S. So we're really willing to share information, but we feel the building of that ecosystem, the teaching and the learning together is really a key goal of what we hope would be a really scalable approach to helping 83% of entrepreneurs that do not have access to traditional capital have the access to that capital and other support that the capital brings. And do, do you have an example of what a infrastructure investment would, would look like? Yeah, I think it's investing in, for example, people who or organizations that are providing uh, support to set up a more transparent back office system for the funds so mm -hmm. that a pension fund that is used to a standardized type of reporting can get that kind of reporting. Or it's, for example, investing or providing support to an organization that is working to provide legal advice so that term sheets that these fund managers are using are really easily understood by the entrepreneur who maybe is looking at a term sheet for the first time. So it's all this kind of building of support that is not just direct capital that is included in an ecosystem. And on the other hand, it's bringing in new players. It's bringing in investors who maybe have not looked at this type of investment, but now are or maybe just providing straight debt, bringing them in and helping them learn about this asset class and saying, 
look, this is an investable product that maybe you should take a chance on because not only will it provide you a return, but also help build these entrepreneurs, which are the creators of the jobs and and the bulwark of our economy. So I do think that creating this ecosystem where there are multiple stakeholders that are being supportive of each other, whether through funding or to sharing information or co-investment is really a key to building to building this ecosystem. I think you mentioned that the Capital Access Lab had been in existence for about a year now. What are you seeing in terms of the success rate of bringing other funders into this asset class? Yeah, and you know, the additional outcome that we were looking for from the work, you know, to how do we leverage uh, other funders and to date Rockefeller Foundation, which is committed to you know, accelerating breakthrough ideas and advancing new frontiers of innovation to solve global challenges, including economic mobility. They've, um, they've contributed to the Capital Access Lab and we're in discussions with other interested foundations. And another key uh, piece and area we were, we were looking for in this work is how do we, is catalyzing, what other type of activity can we catalyze? And so we've catalyzed a community of practice in alternative funding. And so in January, Coffin Foundation brought together about 100 alternative fund managers and foundations to discuss new financing models that serve more entrepreneurs and share best practices and, and learnings. And it was a really, it was a very vibrant convening where it's just exchanging of ideas on on mechanisms and, and, other, and other things. And you know what that what is the, what does that mean? It's one thing to do in a convening. What does that mean to entrepreneurs? So it resulted in you know as I say that formal exchange from ideas and foundations discussing how they could support the efforts and you know, network building connections and so all of those things will aid us in closing the capital gap for for entrepreneurs. What kind of collaborators are you are you looking for with the the Capital Access Lab? So to build this ecosystem, we really need uh, many types of collaborators. And specifically for funders and investors, we really are aiming to help you mobilize capital through these innovative financing mechanisms that help lots of entrepreneurs. And we're hoping to really help you put them into funds that are solving gaps in access to capital across the U.S. For fund managers, especially ones who are using these alternative products to fund entrepreneurs. We help. We want to help provide funding. We want to provide funding ourselves, but we want to catalyze other investors to help you with that. And finally, for people who are in the ecosystem of not only supporting entrepreneurs, but also changing the way capital is allocated in our country, We really want to work with you. We want to share knowledge. We're looking for thought partners and people who are already providing capacity building and support through events and programming. We really want to join forces to change the way capital is allocated to entrepreneurs in the U.S. to really help grow jobs and rebuild our country. What are you hoping to achieve with the Capital Access Lab? What would would success look like? So I think, you know, success would look like most of the capital being provided to entrepreneurs who are underserved was provided through these alternative vehicles and alternative products 
that are much better suited to help their growth. So it's the development of a new asset class where you have lots of traditional investors investing through these types of mechanisms, where you have entrepreneurs accessing this type of capital regardless of um, their race or gender or their geographic location. I mean, it's it's a lofty goal, but it's really, we feel that this this is a development of a new asset class when you have 100 funds that are already without even a lot of support thinking of uh, deploying this kind of capital, that's really key. It's really the beginning of something big. So I think the development of a new asset class would be what we are looking for as far as the overall goal. I don't know, Philip, if you would if you would agree with that. I do. And I, you know, I'll go back to our founder, Ewing Marion Kaufman, wonderful quote that energizes me all the time, which is, all the money in the world cannot solve problems, but working together, there's no problem we cannot solve to help people reach their highest and fullest potential. That's what success looks like. That's what success in the systemic barriers, reducing systemic barriers and the systemic adjustments that need to be made in order to see everyone that wants to thrive, thrive. Everyone that wants to reach a, a higher a higher ground and higher potential, be able to do that. And so when we're able to see that result from this work, I would I would say that's that's what we're trying to achieve. That's great. Thank you. Is is there anything that I haven't asked that, that either of you would like to mention before we wrap up? I think I just wanted to um, say a little bit more about the types of funds that we've come across because Please. I think Philip mentioned that it's the incredible diversity uh, came through and we were somewhat surprised by that very positively. And that's because what we found is a lot of these funds are entrepreneurs who've done well themselves, who understand how other entrepreneurs can access capital and what they need it for. So they want to take their hard-earned money and now invest in those other entrepreneurs. So they're not your traditional fund managers that have been raised in the venture capital industry who are applying standardized ways of investing. They're actually entrepreneurs that are solving problems in their own communities. And they're forming capital vehicles to provide the kind of capital that they feel their community needs. So we feel that supporting these kinds of very innovative entrepreneurs to help them scale up, to help them bring in other assistance to their communities is really key. It's the kind of innovation ingenuity of these entrepreneurs that are now capital providers themselves that we're trying to support. Well, thank you both so much for taking the time to speak with me. I, uh, I wish you both the, the best of luck with the work that you're doing at the Capital Access Lab. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. Really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Money and Meaning. If you're interested in exploring these topics further, check out our Spectrum virtual convening, which will take place on June 9th to 11th, where we'll discuss many of the same themes, including access and inclusion for underrepresented entrepreneurs. If you enjoyed the episode, please rate us five stars on Apple and share it with a friend or two. And as always, if you want to get in touch with me, you can reach me at moneyandmeaningpodcast at gmail.com. We'll be back in two weeks with a new episode.